This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. My next guest, Lainey Schwartz, is an everyday mom, founder and creator of the long-standing food blog, Life is But a Dish. Her journey began as an elementary school teacher who was born to teach. In fact, it's her passion. She turned into her mission, that is, to teach busy home cooks across the world how to create simple and delicious meals while cooking with confidence and without being tied to a recipe. After years of blogging and over 600 reliable recipes on her website using simple everyday ingredients, Lainey Schwartz is the cook with confidence, and her program of the same name has helped the overwhelmed and the anxious home cooks out there learn how to build foundational cooking skills for life. She's on a mission to change people's relationships with their kitchens, with food, and ultimately the relationships in their lives. In fact, she's obsessed with it. Lainey Schwartz is in my heart. Welcome, Lainey. Thank you. What an intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, it's all about you, girl. So, okay, tell us how this obsession began. I mean, as a teacher, part of the job is, in fact, to break things down for easier consumption, right? To simplify for understanding. So how did the desire to break down our food and cooking start for you? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I was an elementary school teacher. First grade was my passion. And I think what happened when I started teaching first grade was I fell in love with the transformation. It's such a transformational year for kids. For a lot of them, they're just learning how to read or really improving their skills. And that was my job. I taught kids how to read. And I just became obsessed with that transformation and that light bulb moment for kids. And that kind of transferred over into this blogging space when I, when I had kids of my own and I stopped teaching and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Teaching is the thing that gets me out of bed. It is my passion. It's what I love doing most, but I also love food and I could talk and talk about food all day, eat food all day. And it's, they're equal passions of mine. And so this really was kind of my two passions coming together. And when I realized that not every Per, we all have to eat, right? So whether we choose to cook or not, I quickly realized that not everybody is as comfortable in the kitchen as I just happen to be. It just, mm-hmm. it came naturally for me. I'm not, I'm not professionally trained. I'm, I'm, I'm home. I'm self-taught. And, um, I just realized that people really struggle and that the teacher in me felt like I wanted to help. And I, I learned that teaching adults, how to cook and how to break down kind of those basic skills was no different than teaching a six-year-old how to read. And it ignited that same spark and that same passion for me, uh, teaching these adults how to do that and watching their transformations in the kitchen, not just in the kitchen for themselves and for, you know, making a delicious meal, but again, like you mentioned, their relationships with their families and their friends and feeling proud and excited because food is such a big part of our everyday lives it's so important to me to help people feel comfortable in that space. 
Well, I really was attracted to that when I first heard about you because food is in fact a really big part of our lives, right? We can't live without it. And we also live around it. It, Our lives are built so much around the celebrations of feasting and the need for feasting and getting energy and food as fuel and those sorts of things. And, you know, as a health coach, you know, for me, I really encourage, you know, people to eat simple, you know, and eat clean and get back to basics in nature. But I don't teach them how to cook. You know, for me, it's like throw it together in a salad and, you know, get a little protein in there from the bean or the chickpea and we're good to go. But people are like, what's the recipe when you do that? Right. They're probably asking you for the recipe. Well, I'm glad you brought up that point because it's true that not all people are comfortable in just everyday existence. Like my mother Mm -hmm. never was comfortable cooking. Even she grew up in an Italian household because I, I just, I think she wasn't comfortable and therefore she didn't like it. She lacked the confidence to cook. And therefore she was like, oh, I don't like to cook. And I think a lot of people, I mean, there's nothing really to like or not like about the basics of cooking, but then you can layer on top of it, right? And make it as amazing or what. But tell me a little bit about this because was the building of the confidence because you saw a void in, did you see a void in nutrition? Did you see obesity, uh, you know, rampant in the country? Was it that you really just wanted people to feel comfortable simply in the kitchen because you found that you did and you were really good at making quick, easy recipes? Like, tell me what the passion really was fueled from. It was actually fueled from fellow friends, from friends and moms in preschool. Um, Just friends that would come up to me. And I was always... I was always asking people what's for dinner. I was always just like, you know, wanting to know what people were eating and just to get inspired. And um, I was at the time before I started just taking pictures of my food and posting it on Facebook for no reason. This was well before social media was what it is today. And I had a few friends, you know, close friends come up to me and just say, is there any way that you would consider, this is before I started, that you would consider coming to my house and just like teaching me how to cook. My husband would pay all the money in the world. I can't even <laughs> boil water. Like, please help me. And I was like, you're crazy. Of course, you you, you know how to cook. Yeah. And I didn't, it, I really, I was naive. I didn't understand that not everybody felt that way. And that somebody would, I was surprised that somebody would come to me and ask for my help in that area. And I just thought, that's the craziest thing ever. Why would I ever do that? Quickly turned into doing at-home workshops. That's really where it started, where I yeah, just yeah. started doing workshops in people's homes. And I was showing them the most simple, basic techniques and their minds were blown. And that's when I was like, okay, there's something here. I'm helping people. And I, I don't have to teach them. You don't have to go to cooking school to be a, a great cook. Mm-hmm. I can just teach them how to properly season their food or you know, what lemon can do to a dish. It's really small, tiny things that can really elevate your, your meals. Right. You go to cooking school to become a chef and there's a difference between a chef and a cook. And, you know, I think one of the things, one of my girlfriends, Petra uh, Kolber, I've had her on the podcast taught me is, is that you teach what you need to learn. Yeah. And so I have to ask you the question were you finding yourself at a loss, even though you were comfortable in the kitchen, were you yourself finding yourself at a loss as to what to make? Like, Oh my God, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Because you did mention that. And I do think that that it's a huge issue and I've got teenagers at home and I got tired of cooking from COVID and we'll get into that a little Mm -hmm. bit, but the dinner discussion, what are we going to have for dinner? What are we going to make for school lunches? I mean, it is a big topic of conversation and getting everybody to agree. And then you as the cook, 
you know, not being pulled in a million different directions. And also I will say coming out of New York city, you know, I, my kids grew up like, Oh, you want Chinese, go ahead and order it. You want sushi, go ahead and order it. (laughs) You know, when you're in a, when you're in a household and you have kids that want different things. So talk to us about, did you, are you teaching what you needed to learn? And what are some of the solutions to those big food conversations and the conundrums about what to make? Yeah. It's a struggle. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that just because I'm someone who's comfortable and loves to cook that I enjoy doing it every day because I get burned out just like the rest of us. I have two young kids, busy schedules, a puppy, like it's, there are days and sometimes months where I am really in a rut and just don't feel like it. And I just want to normalize that because we all go through it. And so Mm -hmm. that happens. I am just now coming out of a several month kind of lull. Um, and I feel excited again. So if you can just kind of hang on through those lulls, it always ends up coming back and there's things that you can do to help re-inspire yourself. But I'm also a creature of habit. So I don't mind eating. I don't, I'm not a meal prepper, so I don't like to make like one thing and eat it for five days, but I make similar meals, you know, week in and week out. And we're happy with that. Um, but everybody is different. And so for me kind of figuring out that question of, of what's for dinner, some days it's easy and some days it's hard. And I think it's really important to not put the pressure on yourself to have to cook seven days a week. I think it's important that we allow ourselves the space to rest, to order takeout, to go out to dinner because you'll burn out. So it's normal to, to feel that way. And I don't know that there's one answer to fix that. Well, I like what you said is, is that accept the truth. Let's bring it back to some of the basics. And I'd like to give people some tools about what you call foundational cooking. For me, simple cooking is, you know, a a plant-based grilled cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't get more simple than that. And it happens to be what I send my kid to lunch or school with a lot. You know, I want to talk about school lunches for kids because that's a big conversation. But let's talk about, you know, you have over 600 recipes and, you know, that people trust and use over and over, like you said, and don't get bored of it. And these recipes are your creations, right? And maybe some that you've borrowed from ideas. I'm not sure if they're all entirely yours or not, but what is simple cooking? What are some of the basics? So I think just like the term healthy is all relative, right? It's all relative. What simple cooking means to one person, it is different for somebody else. I feel like if you've seen that meme out there, that's like, I'm looking for a simple recipe and it starts with me chopping an onion, like I'm out. So, you know, a simple recipe might include chopping an onion or a few things, and it might take 15, 20 minutes. It does take time, right? So yes, you can make a grilled cheese in less than five minutes. And I would also consider that simple cooking. You could throw a little salad next to it and be done in less than five minutes. Also, in my opinion, if you can make a full dinner start to finish, anywhere from 15 to 20 to 30 minutes, I also would consider that simple cooking. Right. And for me, simple cooking also means not using crazy ingredients. So yes, I wanted to talk about that. Not buying random spices that you're not, that you're only going to use once and let it inspire, expire in your pantry. Um, Just always having the things that you know, that you and your family love and use always having that on hand. So So we don't have have to necessarily figure out cumin, but we need to have oregano, basil, garlic. Like it's right. like those dried spices. So keep it simple to what you know. Exactly. And also probably go toward like you do what you love. Go toward exactly. what feeds your soul. What 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 food do you like to eat? Because I also eat a lot of the same food over and over again because mm-hmm. it works for me and I like it. 
Yeah. And if you have pasta, I'm just going to use an easy example. If you have pasta in your pantry at all times, you have different shapes. If you have lasagna noodles, short, long noodles, and you have, you know, ground beef, ground turkey, chicken in your freezer, and you have the spices that you like, and you, you know, you have butter or olive oil or a tomato sauce, you can make 10 different dishes just with those ingredients right. because you understand how they work together. You don't have to make the same thing every single time. But if you're reliant on a recipe, and I understand that I write recipes for a living, but I don't cook with recipes. I never follow my own recipes. I have to do that for my website, but I would encourage people to use a recipe as a guide. And again, if you're not confident and don't understand, that can be challenging but using recipes as a guide just can open up, just create so much more freedom in the kitchen for people. And, and fun, right? Trust yourself, yeah. right? Like trust yeah. yourself, like read the recipe, put all the ingredients on the counter, challenge yourself, push it to the side yeah. and see what you do. Maybe yes. you don't follow the recipe and you come up with something else. So, so it sounds to me like what you're doing is you're really encouraging people to trust themselves and keep it simple yeah. And get back in there and make it fun. And if it's not fun, order out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And I think people think that cooking has to be so complicated. And I think a lot of times what I hear over and over again is they, somebody will make a recipe of mine and it was simple to fairly simple. And they're surprised at how good it is. And it's mm -hmm. like, you don't need, if you have some salt and pepper and you know how to season things properly, you don't need crazy ingredients. You don't need, I mean, it's fun if you want to experience right. and explore and use different flavors, but you don't need it. You don't have to. So how do you teach someone how to spice properly? Like, do you say to them, like, do you have a golden rule, like two twists of salt, you know, a twist of pepper? Like, how do you really teach them mm -hmm. to understand the disciplines when it comes to basic food prep, if they're afraid of it or not trusting themselves that they're going to be made fun of, or it's going to be inedible? Yeah. So the main thing, and it's going to sound simpler than it is, it, it, it actually, it really is this simple, but it's really just all about paying attention. So I find in working with, I've worked with students very closely in my program, and this is the feedback that I hear from them. So they're following a recipe exactly. And the recipe says two teaspoons of this. So they measure it out and they pour it in. And they're just so focused on following the directions that they're not paying attention to their stove or, um, you know, how it actually tastes to them. So every kitchen is different. Every stove is different. Every pan is different. Every oven is different. And so if a recipe says 350 for 20 minutes and they put it in at, at 20 minutes, it hasn't even looked like it started to cook, leave it in longer right. or bump up the temperature. So right. starting to just pay attention to things. So for example, you asked about seasoning, Let's say you're making a dish that you're able to taste along the way. Let's just use a, a sauce, like a pasta sauce or bolognese for or, uh, like ground meat. So you ground your meat, uh, you brown it, you start to season it. You can always start with less, but you start to season it. You add the sauce and I kind of teach people once it's obviously cooked, you taste it. Right. If you taste it and you, and you really start to pay attention. You don't have to be, you know, top chef judge to be a food critic, but for example, I was making taco meat last night and I tasted my taco meat. It, it was good. It was fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't that exciting. I added some more salt, some more seasonings. I tasted it. It made me literally dance. And it made me like, this is yeah. so good. Like if you're not tasting, if you're tasting your food and it doesn't make you want to jump for joy, there's something missing. And so I can teach you what those things are. Usually it's a salt or an acid. 
An acid could be something from vinegar to a tomato sauce. Um, but salt is so key. And I found that most people are under seasoning their food and usually an extra pinch of salt or a little bit more of this, um, can really just change it. And so yeah. I say, I always encourage people to taste as they go and not just taste to taste, but taste to pay attention. So, okay. Right. I'm like this. you're like a fine wine, like really yeah. pay attention to the flavors. Right. Like you don't have to know or be able to describe it, but if you know that it's just not just right and then, okay, I added a little bit more salt and wow, or a squeeze of lemon. And oh my God, that just took it over the top then you understand for next time I can do, I can do that again. So it's yeah. really just about paying closer attention. Totally. Totally. I think that that's, that's great advice. I mean, one of the things that I do when I'm seasoning food, I'm not vegan and we're not vegan, but I'm definitely a, a meat snob. I would say, you know, some like different flavors in my house. So if I were making a taco meat, I divide the pan in half. And I overseason uh-huh. one half and I underseason the uh-huh. other half. And then everybody's happy. But it's interesting to see the different palette right there in the plate of, of, of the skillet of taco beef, right? Yeah. So exactly. now that the kids are back to school, lunch really, school lunch really is a, a tough one. And, and I do want to go back to your workshops. You know, um, you have an eight week course called Cook with Confidence. And I know that you've taken like over 200 students through your program. And I think that that is just stellar and awesome because, you know, you can't maybe teach the old dog that many new <laughs> tricks, but man, if we could grab kids to be self-sufficient and in a world of fast food and stuff like that and over salted processed food, and not seasonally salted food. I think that that we could change a lot of uh, health problems in this country today. So I, I'd like to talk a little bit about your your experience with students, and then about how do we feed our kids really? Because the school lunches, you know, uh, you know, obviously if money isn't an issue and things like that, and you can prepare your children's lunch from home, and even if money is an issue, I do want to get into that too because. I know for a fact, we must talk about the cost of food and how feeding a family can be overwhelming, but I do also know, and I want to share some with you, some tips and shortcuts on where to spend your money and where to save your money and still eat nutritionally dense food. Yeah. Yesterday I went and I bought these like hollow rolls and I found some Turkey that they might like, and they were like, yes, send this to my lunch. And so great. I'll take like a hollow with Turkey. If they're going to eat that, I'll send it. I'll send that every day, probably for the next week. And they'll be like, that's enough. I'm over it. There's tons of other lunch friendly people out there, bloggers who are so inspirational and sometimes it can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're someone who looks at that and you're like, my lunch is my kid's lunch doesn't look like that. Obviously don't look at it. But for me, it helps to give some ideas, even just cutting things in different shapes, even for older kids, kids get bored and adults get bored with the same thing. If you cut the cucumber the same way, every time cut it a different way and see if it, see if it changes, you know, shave or uh, peel like part of it and make it look a little bit different. If you've been prioritizing your health, don't skip the health of your hair and scalp. A daily hair and scalp health regimen can make a huge difference. Way's new scalp serum and thick and full supplements are a complete solution for promoting the appearance of thicker, fuller, healthier hair. After breakage and hair loss from years of overstyling for TV, I realized how important it is to take care of our hair. The way Thick and Full Supplements and Scalp Serum gave me a full and supple feel to my locks through a healthy, hydrated, and balanced scalp. 
The Daily Scalp Serum can be used day or night with wet or dry hair. It soothes irritation from tight ponytails and excessive hair detangling and keeps your hair feeling stronger and looking fuller. Way supports hair strength and my scalp feels energized and protected. Way Thick and Full supplements are vegan one-a-day supplements with zero flavor that support thicker, fuller, healthier hair with ingredients like biotin and pea shoot extract. Just work way right into your daily routine. Consistency is key for these products and use is recommended for a minimum of 90 days. Grow all the way with Way, with Way's scalp serum and thick and full supplements. Just go to the way.com, that's spelled T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use the code in my heart to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I. O-U-A-I.com. Use the code in my heart. It's the way.com. Now back to my show. I got a very simple cookbook once that had, well, it was a magazine, quite frankly, that had a bunch of great, it was a salad thing. And so I said to my kids, pull out the pictures of the salads that you would want to eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I got one from Jax. I got like six from Ella. And, and so that's what we worked on. So Jax will eat one salad. He, there's, yeah. he only likes arugula right now, even though he does like other lettuces, he doesn't really believe it yet. He likes mm-hmm. one lettuce from this uh, chain called Simple Greens in New York City. Mm. And so I just copied their salad. I put quinoa in it. I put a little smoked steelhead and he like goes crazy on that. I don't send mm-hmm. that to school though. Cause it's fish. Right. Can't send fish to school. Can't send it. Hell no. I'll be on the outs for a week if I ever did that. Maybe more. Well, and, and also, I think, you know, for me, like my kids are not big breakfast eaters. You know, lunch is super hard when it's at school, but they're really good dinner eaters. And so I kind of take the pressure off of myself to have, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be fine, right? We're doing the best that we can. I generally feed my kids, you know, healthy meals. And if I can get one really solid, good meal, even like a solid after school snack for them, I call it a win. Like I'm not getting Love three this. amazing meals a day. Like if they eat like uh, some strawberries in the morning and like a scoop of yogurt, okay, it is what it is. They, they just, they're not big breakfast eaters. I'm not either, but I well, can Well, let's talk about breakfast. Yeah. Go ahead. I, go ahead. Finish what you were going to say. I was just going to say, I can count on dinner knowing that I have more control over it. I know what they'll eat. I know I can get a more well-balanced meal. And if I am confident that I can get one solid good meal a day, I just, I take the pressure off myself because you'll drive yourself crazy otherwise. Well, I love that because what, one of the things your themes are is, is like, make it your own, you know, make your yeah. meal, your own, make your ingredients, your own, make your recipe, your own, make your taste, your own. So make the hours of the day that you eat. And when you eat your own, you know, yeah. I mean, and why I interjected about breakfast and I apologize for that. It's just one of those things that bothers me because it's industry propaganda. Yes. Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day and it's not the right for first meal of the day for everybody. Right. You know, I have a daughter who doesn't like to eat breakfast. She's not hungry in the morning. The idea right. of food doesn't excite her. And so I'm going to try to force food down her. Just get a little something in your belly. She does. Right. She functions perfectly without it. You know, and you have all these different diet theories of intermittent fasting and blah, 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 blah. So what I say is eat when you are hungry. Yeah. It's a really simple rule. And I think that helping people build their confidence in the kitchen, which is what you've framed yourself around, goes back to my intro because 
all those things, you know, whatever it is that you target, you know, whether it's a new sport, like, you know, that you do a new workout routine or getting into a workout routine or starting to learn to cook with confidence or taking a language or anything like that. I think that we have to just be kind to ourselves, you know what I mean? And allow ourselves to fail because you're going to fail. I always say fail fast. There are so many choices out there now today for people. Like, I don't think breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but for some people, it is. it is. And I yeah. think there's a lot of quick, healthy breakfasts out there that are really easy that people forget. Talk about simple cooking. Let's talk about oatmeal. Yeah. You know, yeah. what a hearty, delicious meal that you can make your own. You can put all kinds of different ingredients, but nuts in it, you can put coconut in it. You can put honey in it. You can put, oh, yeah. you know, bananas, fruit, whatever, or, you know, granola. Now I want oatmeal. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I think that, you know, when we go toward the things that we, that we like, or we, like maybe people are like, I hate oatmeal. Some quick fire questions. Okay. Like what's your favorite dinner to cook? Oh, people ask me that all the time. I have, a, it's a horrible answer because I'm like an in the moment person. It depends on the day. Okay. It depends what I, what I'm into. Yep. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have an emergency, like a lasso meal? Like when you're like running late and you know, the kids are going to be hungry and you got to whip something together. So my current, I'll tell you my current favorite. How about that? So, and this has been, I've been on this kick for months and months and months, but I, I, I love lasagna, but I hate making it. It's such, mm-hmm. it's a whole production. You got to boil the noodles and do the sauce. It's like, it takes too long. So I never used to make it, but I love it. And so one day out of nowhere, I just was like, what if I just like, didn't boil the noodles, put every, there's all these like no boil lasagna noodles. noodles that that's what buy. I use. <laughs> right. So I just bought regular, I had some gluten-free noodles that I had in my pantry. I was like, they're not technically no boil, but I think it's just a marketing play. Right. Um, so I just, I put this thing together. I threw a bunch of spinach in, chopped up some broccoli. I put, I assembled the lasagna in under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's see what happens. I baked it. It was, it's my favorite recipe on the blog right now. And people are going crazy for it. And right now that's my favorite. Like I'm going to make that. And I didn't have ricotta. So I use cottage cheese and now only use cottage cheese. And so it's just, that's what I'm loving right now. And it comes together so quickly. You don't have to, you don't have to chop anything. If you don't want, you don't have to cook anything. You just assemble and put it in the oven and it is. That's a type bravery right there. I would never put cottage cheese instead of ricotta, but I'm going to try that because oftentimes I have cottage cheese and no ricotta. (laughs) Yes. You will be surprised. Try it. You'll love it. That is so funny. Okay. So there are so many amazing chefs out there. Mm-hmm. Who are there any that you really, you know, are get be inspired by? Obviously, there's a cooking program, like there is a crime series. There's as uh-huh. many cooking shows as there are crime series out there. Yeah. You know, are there any that you really love? Um, are there any that you think are really good based on what you teach in your workshops yes. that you could, so, you know, guide the listeners to? Yep. I mean, I I learned to cook from watching Ina Garden on the Food Network. That is how I learned to cook. I grew up in a house with a mom who cooked all the time, but I never really, I never paid attention. I didn't necessarily learn from her as a kid. When I got out of college, I moved to California. I used to go home after teaching every day, turn on the Food Network, watch Ina Garden. And I used, this is before I knew that recipes were even online. I used to write down techniques and things she was doing. I bought all the pots and pans she had. Um, I just really like the way that she cooks. And so she is my North Star when it comes to cooking. Anytime I feel in a rut or uninspired, I'll go back and watch an old episode and immediately I'm just, I'm back in it. So Ina is my favorite. 
Okay, Ina, I love that. You know, I've never even watched her. So you you learn something new every day. Yes. That's incredible. So, you know, I wanted to just kind of round out from, you know, in my intro when I was talking about you that, you know, this became an obsession for you. And so let's talk a little bit about how you turned that obsession into an entrepreneurial, you know, job, how you turn your obsession into being an entrepreneur and were able to then actually make money off of something that you were obsessively passionate about, I would say. And that was just to teach as a teacher, you want to teach people. And you saw that there was a lot of barriers with simple cooking. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's get into that a little bit. So I, when I started my food blog, it was simply that I was trained. I had two young kids. I had a, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, which I don't know why I thought this is a good time to do this, but I did. And I, social media, again, there was no Instagram stories. There was no Snapchat. Like it was just Instagram and Facebook. And you posted a photo and you walked away. That's all that it was. And I was like, great. So I stayed behind my camera and I, I took pictures of my recipes. I put it on my website and that was my job for a couple of years until video was born. And that's when things started to take off. And at that point, I was making a small amount of money from my blog just through ad revenue. Um, I was very consistent. I, when I commit, I commit. So also my type A, I committed to two recipes a week. I did, did that every day for at least a year, if not longer. And that's really how I got the momentum with my blog. And once Snapchat was born. This was prior to Instagram stories. I saw all my favorite food bloggers on Snapchat and I had never seen their faces, had never heard them talk. And what happened was I either fell in love with them even more, or I was turned off and I was like, Oh, you're not what I thought you were. Um, I don't really connect with you. And I thought if I don't do this, if I don't get in front of the camera, I'm I'm going to lose traction and I'm going to fall behind. And so I forced myself to, to get on Snapchat and I realized I didn't just have to talk to the camera, but that I could actually show people, you know, use my phone and show people how to cook. And that's when the teaching thing kind of clicked. I was like, Oh, I, I can do more than just post a recipe. I can really teach people through this app. And that spiraled into Instagram stories. And, you know, almost eight years later, here we are. Um, but once I got that teaching bug back in me, and then I realized, okay, what I have this blog and I'm showing people how to cook using Instagram, but what if I could create a course and sell something? Um, or I, I used to show people how I would prepare for big holidays like Rosh Hashanah or Thanksgiving. And I used, I used to be a mess. I used to be stressed out and crazy. And I would show the whole process. And after about five, six, seven years, I figured out a process that worked for me. And I was like, what if I put that into an ebook and sold that? And it helped hundreds and hundreds of people. And so that kind of, then I got that entrepreneur bug where I was like, okay, I can sell things and help people. And then the wheels just started turning. And so that's kind of how it all started. That's incredible. So you're, so, so tell us the name of the blog. Life is but a dish. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. So life is but a dish is the blog. And then you turn that into cook with confidence, which is your workshops that you teach adults to cook in. So that's my online course. Yes. It's an online course. And so do you have also workshops in addition to your online course? 
So I stopped doing workshops. Obviously I wasn't doing them during COVID, but I, I did them. I did workshops probably for the first like three years and they could just kind of phase out yeah, yeah. Okay, once so in a while. Let's go back to what you yeah. do. So you have, so you started with the blog and then you started to do your online course, cook with confidence, and you're teaching adults how to cook and be comfortable in the kitchen and gain their confidence. There were 200 students. I know that you moved through a program. Can you talk to me about how you turned your passion for helping adults with, you know, something that you were naturally good at or struggled with and found your way through it. How did you realize that going back to your first graders and seeing that light connect, how did you tap into the kids? How did you tap into students? It was really about, uh, so teaching is my passion. Yes, but also it's my superpower. So I happen, you know, I know a lot of us have a hard time saying what we're really good at. I am an excellent teacher. So I explain things really clearly. And the way that I teach things, I believe, makes people feel comfortable. So they don't feel stupid asking asking the stupid questions. A lot of people are embarrassed to ask, as, as full-grown adults, embarrassed to ask questions about cooking because they right. feel like they should already know the answer. How to boil pasta, for example. Right. And there like, are some tips to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So bring me all those questions. Like I will never make you feel like you're an idiot or like I, those are my favorite questions. And the people who are the most afraid in the kitchen, those are actually my favorite people to teach. So there was just, there's something about that. And at, several years later, after my original workshops from preschool, I had a friend about three years ago, right, right before COVID say to me, I don't know how to cook. Could you just come to my house? Just you and I, and just like, give me like a lesson. Like, I don't know how to do anything. And I'm absolutely terrified. And I was like, okay. And I had this idea before Coco Confidence was already born where I was like, I'd love to create like almost like a cooking school, but for the home cook. So nothing crazy, just basic skills. What do people struggle with? Um, chicken. Chicken's a huge pain point for people. How can I teach people just a few things about chicken that they can take? They don't need to know everything about it, but what, how can I just help them do that? So I went to her house. We did a couple things with chicken, taught her how to make a homemade salad dressing, and we taught her how to roast vegetables. She felt like she was on top of the world. And after that one session, I was like, okay, there are more people just like her out here. And even in just that one two and a half hour session together, I was like, I could build an entire program out of this. And so that's how Coca Confidence was born. And I love that. That's amazing. So I, I want to talk about that light switch because mm-hmm. I think that there's something really special in that. And I think the people that are listening that are like, oh, I still don't think I'm going to be good enough in the kitchen or whatever. Let's talk about some of your success stories. Let's talk mm-hmm. about some of the people that you've come in contact with that really felt like they didn't know anything. Tell us some of the success stories. Yeah. So when I first started, I launched it more as a, as a group program at kind of a lower price with less support. So I had a lot of people in the program and it was shorter. It was only four weeks and it was kind of like the beta launch. And it was great. But at that, you know, when you have a lot of people in a program, there's usually a percentage that is actually going through it and doing the work. The results were amazing of the people who were actually doing it. And from there, I was like, gosh, I would love to work more closely with these people. And so when I revamped the program, I added, this was right before COVID. So then COVID hit and 
I was developing the second four weeks of the program. I don't know how my kids were home. My husband was home. I don't, I don't know how it happened. Honestly, but it happened. Traumatized, traumatized we'll just chalk it up about. to a miracle. <laughs> it just happened. I created the course and I started working in small groups. So, you know, 10, 15 people in a group. So I was really getting to know people um, one-on-one Zoom calls. People were crying. On, I mean, it was a very special experience. Yes. Um, but there's... I'm thinking of Tammy, for example, she used, she's has grown kids. She, I don't know exactly how old she is, but she used to have actual panic attacks, like thinking about what to make for not what to make, but even just making a meal in her kitchen, she would sit in there and just be completely paralyzed and overwhelmed. Couldn't do anything in the kitchen. She cooks every single day. She has a better relationship with her kids, with her husband, she is excited to be in the kitchen. She is, she's constantly sending me things. She's like, oh, what about this? Like it just, I mean, this is an extreme example, but it just completely like unlocked that, that freedom for her. And she right. just went from feeling, you know, completely paralyzed and chained and, and panicky to just, this is fun and it's light and it's enjoyable. And so right. there's people like that. Um, there, I had somebody who, uh, was engaged and she came back to me a year after the program. And she said, I just have to tell you, I have to thank you. My relationship with my uh, now husband, who was fiance, we're, we cook together. We have so much fun. And my kids, we all sit down and eat together. We're closer as a family. Like it just, I always say this and people can't quite understand it, but it just goes so far beyond the kitchen. Right. If you're able to make a meal and sit down with people and people enjoy it, moms who were, who felt unappreciated and felt like their kids literally would say like, mom, this is disgusting. Like, doesn't make you feel good as a mom. Mm -hmm. And so if they could then feed their kids something, maybe they don't eat it every time, but Hey, my daughter ate chicken tonight. And I feel like on top of the world, you just, it just, I mean, I have chills just thinking about it. Yes. Like, when you're cooking for people, that's nurture, you know what I mean? And even if you're in a rush, you know, you have to nurture your body with some nutrition or you want to nurture your family with a, a meal you cooked with love or someone you want to impress or just for yourself. And I think that that's really important. So I love what you're doing and I want to make sure everybody knows where they can find you. But before I let you go, I know that cooking without a recipe is your freedom, but how do you really find your freedoms as an entrepreneur, as a working mom, you know, as a woman, as a teacher, just as you Lainey, how do you find your freedom in life? Great question. You really have to work for it. Like as like, once you have kids, if you are, you know, someone who has children, it, it becomes a lot harder and you have to make the time for yourself. And so for me, it's because it's been all about my mornings. Like I don't, I really don't start my day until about 10 30, 11 o'clock. I have to just kind of ease into the day. I got to clean up the kitchen. I work from home. So like I can't work in a mess. I need to mm. do my exercise. Like for, I need to go for my walk. Like all of those things have to happen for me to set my day up for success. And I got really tied up in, you know, as I would see people meditating and journaling and doing all of these things that I felt like I should be doing. And I would try them all and they wouldn't work for me. And it just, it wasn't filling me up. It didn't feel free. It actually felt like the opposite. Right. And so this year I really set an intention to find the morning routine that works for me 
and it doesn't look like anybody else's and, but it really has changed so much. So even if that's, if it's not the morning for you, if it's a nighttime routine or you don't have to meditate, you don't have to journal, you don't have to exercise, whatever it is, just really tune into yourself and figure out what fills you up, what makes you happy, what energizes you and make the time for it, make it a non-negotiable. As a teacher will, she gave a freedom for all of us, for (laughs) all of us to learn from, not just her. And it's a freedom that I teach those routines and finding that time for yourself. And when we go on retreats with heatherthompson.com and my travel and my adventure travel, that is always a takeaway that we teach on retreat. So thanks teach. I'm doing a good job. (laughs) I want to come on a retreat. That's good. You should. We'll have to do a cooking class on the next one. Love to have you. Well, please tell everybody where listeners can find you for those who don't already follow you. Tell us all about it. Yep. So I'm at life is better dish on all social media, Instagram and TikTok. Now I'm on TikTok. Um, and then my website is life is I do have a special page just for your listeners. So it's life is slash in my heart. And in there I've curated kind of my top 10 favorite recipes. There's some coupon codes on there for you. So you can check that out as well. I love it. Well, life is but a dish, sweetheart. (laughs) Thank you so much to my guest, Lainey Schwartz. This is In My Heart. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to follow along and don't forget to subscribe because we're going to be back at you with a new episode next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.